Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Clinically Pressed. We have Leah Mish with us today and Leah has a fantastic story. Uh, if you're in the lacrosse area, there's odds are you've probably heard of Leah in some capacity. She's just done a ton of stuff in the health and fitness world, um, but also is really big into motorcycling, done a lot of cross-country trips. Um, Indian motorcycle is her go-to. Uh, it's been a really incredible story. It was great to sit down with her. I've kind of run into Leah um, back and forth over the past couple of years. Uh, AJ and I starting out with some total athletic therapy stuff. Uh, Leah was the only person to come to the talk that we never actually gave at a fitness expo. Uh, it just didn't work out how we wanted it to, but um, we've been affiliated with Leah for a while. But it was great to get to sit down with her, um, hear her story. Uh, so inspiring just for uh, what she was able to personally overcome. And then also what she does now in terms of giving back to more and more people uh, and just making that the uh, focus of her life and what she does and traveling around and doing it. Uh, so, again, this, this is such a just a fun episode, just something very different than what we usually get to experience in terms of talking performance or anything like that. But, um, again, I recommend checking this one out. Um, great, great story. Uh, You'll definitely take something away with it. With that, uh, keep tuning in to our functional progression series that we've got out. Uh, we got some other things coming up. Look for some new things coming out from us, a couple new courses in the works, um, and some other big series that we got going on. So with that, we leave you with our conversation with Leah Mish. <laughs> Good luck. That's one. Yeah. We, we've kind of messed with it. At, we added the question at the end, you know, in the world of what you do, how would you make it complicated and simple? And I think the last episode we put out, the guy had the best one. He's a runner, like a professional runner, and he goes one foot in front of the other. And I was just like, yeah. oh, I mean, we were, we were yeah. all like, whoa, that was that was it right yeah. there. Which is funny. Take the first step as well. Just Perfect. Yeah. No, there you go. There you go. That that is a that's a perfect a perfect thing for it. So I like that. So, on this episode of Clinically Press, we're here with Leah Mish. Mish, Okay, yes. I want to make sure I said that right, and <laughs> probably should have checked that before. Um, fun backstory on how I and AJ met Leah uh, back at Granddad's Expo two years ago. We were going to give this big talk, had it all set up, but uh, nobody knew about it except for apparently Kyle. I did. Who I was, was excited, excited about it. it. I was very excited. And, and Leah. Leah. <laughs> Who came up and asked about it after we had decided that we weren't going to do it because <laughs> nobody was going to sit down. Um, so yeah, that was our first introduction to Leah, and we ended up doing a blog post with a link up on it um, about just eating and preparing for races. Um, Leah has been very big into running uh, for quite a while now, I would say. Seven years. Seven yeah. years, that's plenty long. <laughs> yeah. um, but great backstory on how she got into running which we'll let her kind of get into and just kind of go from there i don't want to take too much of the story so 
Yes, Take and I, it was, away. I was really excited for that presentation too. Uh, it was interesting because right before that, I had the nutrition and the running is important. I was running a marathon down in Alabama and had thrown up on the marathon. Nutrition would have been important to know. Right. That. Yeah. It was just why I was excited to listen to for you guys. For sure, for sure. Um, so a little bit um, on my backstory. I first started looking at my health and making health changes 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Back in 2010, which would be seven years ago. Yes. Um, I, at that time, was considered morbidly obese. I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, was pre-diabetic. Um, and was just really kind of like looking to make some changes in my health and my lifestyle. Um, so why I decided to make those changes was um, for the health reasons. And I was a nurse, or I am a nurse. Um, and so now I do more with the nurse health coaching. But it was through some of my personal journey along with, you know, the, the career move that was interesting in the process. So... So I first started um, back in 2010, a team called You Go Girl. It was uh, a community fitness challenge through Gunderson Lutheran's Minutes in Motion. Okay. And it, the goal was like to get be active for 30 minutes a day. And I remember at that time thinking, who has time to be 30 minutes <laughs> active for 30 minutes a day? Like right. I don't even have time to go for a walk for 10 minutes. This is crazy. You know, I when I was in college, I was working three jobs and going to school all at the same time. So it was like, I really didn't have time to focus on uh, health and nutrition. Um, but it, through the years following that, I could see the, the effects that it was playing on my health at a young age. So being 22, 23, uh, pre-diabetic, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, decided to take things into my own uh, hands and try to, to make some changes. So put together that team and got together some friends and family in the local area and called us You Go Girl for the Minutes of Motion uh, challenge. And it was a six-week physical activity challenge. Um, so over the course of the next six weeks, my goal was to do 30 minutes of activity a day and then also you know, check in with other people and see how they're doing. So it was kind of a support thing that I think was really helpful in that. Um, I, put together a list uh, called my bucket list. Have you heard of the bucket list? I should show you the bucket list. Of your bucket list? In my bucket list, No, yeah. I am not. Yeah. All right. This, this I'm should excited be good. to see yeah. this, yeah. <laughs> I brought it with me. So this thing has been all over the country. Nice. I should do one of those. But, um, I'm in the bucket list. So this is my quote book here in the beginning. Or, all things that are like meaningful quotes that I come across. Yeah. But in the back of it is my bucket list. And this has been, you know, other than <laughs> There you go. Got I got news. one that doesn't quite look like that, but it's... <laughs> do, you ha do you have it written down? Oh, not the bucket list. I'm just saying one of the notebook quotes. things, yeah. You should make the bucket list. I always encourage people to do that. Um, but at that time, when I was looking at my life and making changes, um, decided to make this bucket list and put down goals of things that I wanted for myself. I was kind of in this turning point of trying to better my life after some situations. So did you put this together all at once? Um, I put a lot of it together. I put some of it together at once and then along the years I've like added to it, oh, wow. obviously. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it first was started with a goal and that was to run a marathon. And at that time, I didn't know there was a difference between a 5K and a marathon. So I signed up for the fitness festival, 
It was uh, the St. Clair's Health and Marriage. Okay. It was called something differently back in the day, but now it's the fitness festival. Um, and I remember signing up for my first 5K there. And I chose that one because the Gunderson Lucerne's Minutes of Motion had led up to that fitness, um, uh, the run. And then uh, the money from there went to go help the St. Clair's Health Mission, uh, which I had volunteered a lot for when I was back in college and then after so love St. Clair's and Joni and Sandy over there but I knew it went for a good cause and it was gonna keep me you know going as far as having a goal and having like an endpoint kind of mm -hmm. like something to look forward to so uh, over those six weeks I trained trying to do that 3.1 mile run um, and I hadn't even ran all that distance fully I had ran walk and so I showed up on race day like not ever knowing anything about running um, and got to the start line and was like, what was I thinking? I don't know anybody here. Like, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, but went out and got halfway through the run and was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, I can do this. And I was like, wait, I'm starting to get tired. Like, why did I think that this was a good idea? Like, what was I thinking? That's how I felt in the only half marathon I ever ran. Really? Oh, partway through, I was just like, what am I? My headphones died, so I couldn't even oh, listen to anything. <laughs> Girlfriend's running along, just chilling. I'm just trying to think of something to listen, think about. But anyhow, I digress. <laughs> yeah, so I got halfway through and was kind of like, um, I want to stop. I want to give up. It's too hard. I'm going to be the last person finishing. Like, what was I thinking? This is embarrassing. Um, and then I just kind of put it in perspective of like the reason why. Why was I doing that? Why was I there that day? Uh, and the reason was was because it was a goal that I had set for myself. It wasn't because I was trying to get first place, or it wasn't because I was trying um, to run and and do accomplish anything. It was just to finish the race. Um, so I kept going, one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, continued on and slowed down so that's always key if you're like I want to give up just step back for a second slow down a little bit but keep going forward um, and I kept going and I remember crossing the finish line to that first 5k and feeling like oh my gosh like I did it like I ran the whole thing and I ran it and I didn't even stop like oh. and so that next week I was going around telling people because I didn't know there was a difference between the marathon and a 5k um, <laughs> true story. <laughs> I was like, you guys, I ran a marathon. <laughs> They're like, I thought a race was a marathon. They're right, yeah. like, you ran a marathon? Because at that time I was still pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't even stop the whole way. I ran it, didn't even stop. It was awesome. Didn't think I could ever do it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you ran 26.2 miles. I was like, uh, no, people run that far for fun. Yeah, <laughs> right. Why? <laughs> and so that's kind of where it sparked the interest of, gosh, I wonder if I could do a marathon sometime. So I was like 22, 23, 23 when I did my first 5K. So then I set a goal on here to do my first marathon when I was 26 point, 26 miles when I was 26 years old. So it took a lot of training for that. Um, but kind of to go back to that year that was life-changing was the 2010. Um, finished that first 5K, achieved something I never thought I could do. Was really like motivated, um, and in running and like all these health changes, like being more active, gaining more energy, having better energy. Like was able to in 
and making like health choices. Like when I'd be more active, I wanted to eat healthier. When I was eating healthier, I wanted to, I had more energy to be um, more active. Uh, so that was kind of interesting, like that turning point. Um, but later on in 2010, in August, I was in an accident uh, on the motorcycle and I broke my back. Uh, I broke T4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, and then punctured my lung, broke some ribs. I had some really artistic road rash. Um, so it was kind of laid up for a long time and it was kind of, I think, you know, a lot of people ask, like, what keeps you running or what keeps you motivated? It's like, I almost lost the ability to run. Like, I should, right. I could very well be paralyzed from the waist down or, or the chest down or not even be here. So I think, you know, that's something that's kind of like, on those days that you are like, I don't really want to do anything. It's like, it gives you perspective. For sure. Um, and... And I remember after, um, I remember after that. There's the story time. <laughs> you ready for it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You totally cut it off. No, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was like that year of 2010. I had been in the accident, almost lost the ability to run. I even had a hard time in like recovering. Like it was scary. I, like I didn't know. Um, I remember going into shock, which was really weird. It was super, super cold. Um, but in the recovery part of that, I had gone and stayed with my mom for a little bit and then ended up going back home and was dating a guy at this time. And his mom had invited me for Thanksgiving and I was kind of like going through this like, oh, like life is really hard. I don't know how I'm going to pay my medical bills. I don't know how I'm going to you know, get through the day without being in complete pain. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do kind of in the future, like in stuff for work because of the injury so it was just a hard time and like I was just really feeling sorry for myself at that time and then my boyfriend at that time was I was supposed to go to Thanksgiving Day um, and I remember making this like jello salad for it and it was really hard to make because like you're in a lot of pain with your back and doing anything like anything was hard like pulling up your pants was hard like <laughs> opening any doors was hard like it's hard. I can't imagine it was it, well and it gets easier with time but I remember he called me that day on Thanksgiving day and said you know we'll meet up later he wanted to go hunting he didn't tell me that till afterwards but he's like you go to your family thing and I'll go to mine and then we can meet up later and spend Thanksgiving together so I was like screw that I'm like I'm gonna go spend Thanksgiving with you know somebody that wants to uh, spend Thanksgiving together instead of like um, I made that jealous salad I gave it to him um, and then or to his mom and then ended up driving back towards downtown lacrosse and was at the by the lacrosse center I knew that they had the Thanksgiving Day celebration um, where they just invited people in the community to celebrate Thanksgiving uh, so with that um, I remember like almost getting to that point like no pretty sure I did cry <laughs> on that day it was like why is this so like you know, what am I gonna do? Like, how am I gonna get over this? Um, you know, nobody wants to spend Thanksgiving with me, blah, 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 life sucks. And then I remember um, this girl that was in a wheelchair was going across the street, like right on Pearl Street, which ironically I live on right now. Okay. It's weird. Um, but it was weird, because I don't think many people look like me, but she had like similar color hair with facial features, and she's in a wheelchair. And I just remember like, oh, life sucks, and this is hard, and what am I gonna do? How am I gonna pay my bills? I was living with four guys at the time to try to pay my medical, oh. it, just to make ends meet. Um, 
but I remember as she was crossing the, the street, like the sun was like shining on her face and she was smiling. And it was like, she's in a wheelchair. And like, it just like that moment, like was that point of, Leah, like stop and put this into perspective. Like one, you're alive. Uh, two, you can still walk. Three, like it doesn't really matter wherever it is. It's just like moving forward. Those are the important parts. And you know, you can look at something with a glass half full or half empty. It's all your choice of perspective and what you choose to look at it. And I'm thinking, you know, she's in a wheelchair and she can still be smiling. I'm sitting here able to walk and, and crying because my boyfriend didn't want to <laughs> spend Thanksgiving together. So I don't know. That, that gave me perspective. And it's interesting because I came across that girl a couple other times um, in my life. And I, I've always wanted to tell her, but I'm kind of like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that yeah, awkwardly? Yeah, no, I hear it. It gives perspective. You know, even in a lot of the disaster relief that I've done with the Red Cross, um, I've done a lot as a health service uh, volunteer doing national deployments with the American Red Cross. So if there's like hurricanes or floods responding to some of that. And I remember like in taking people into like a shelter or they're coming off this bus, like after leaving some of the hurricane part um, and having to evacuate their home and and being like, oh, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. And this this lady was like, honey, I just got out with my little boy, and like we were leaving the house that was flooding. She's like, if I have to sit here and wait, that is the least of my concern. She's like, I'm just glad to be alive. And it's like, yeah, that is perspective of like things that really matter. You know, in those kind of crisis moments, you really figure out um, the stuff that does matter. So that was that story. Okay, cool. Gotta ask me. No. <laughs> well, we have lots of questions and topics, I guess. Um, so, Joel kind of, I wasn't really familiar with the, uh, obviously I'd met you before, and some of the reach that you have with spreading your message and um, kind of what's the driving force behind that or how have you been able to reach so many people? Um, that's a good question. I kind of I was I was thinking about that when I uh, I saw that on the, the list. I kind of like I don't really know. I think it's a story that is unique and in it shows overcoming obstacles, perseverance. Um, so part of my mission of you go girl, which is kind of like my motto. It's um, just encouraging others to overcome obstacles, break through barriers, and achieve their goals. So I, I did the Dancing with the Lacrosse Stars, and that was my team name was Yugo Girl, and that's like the mission, and I use that like in working with other people. So there's a lot of people that I've met along the way, and it's kind of some of that story that I share of, you know, if you, it, it's hard, like life can be hard sometimes in different things, but it's like, you know, putting it into perspective of, you know, this is a mountain, like you can still climb it, it's just one foot in front of the other, but, you know, kind of breaking through the barriers and overcoming, I think has been motivating for some people, and so just trying to share that with others, I think, has been helpful. Does that answer oh, the question? Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, just like modeling. Like if you want to be successful, go find a successful person and like model their behaviors. Like obviously something worked and I'm 
sure that's part of what it comes back to is you overcome some things so it shows that it's possible and then it's just I don't want to say a blueprint because it's all, everybody's got their own way to do it but at least it gives some ideas yeah. Yeah. what is your uh, involvement you mentioned coaching so what do you do with health coaching um, I, so I work as a nurse health coach. Uh, I, con I contract with a company based out of Chicago called Interactive Health. Um, and so they found me on the internet and they were looking for somebody to do um, a pilot program. So I was a nurse health coach on site here in La Crosse area, which is kind of cool. I was like the nurse um, for a few different companies. So in the position there, I work... Don't blink out that. <laughs> I know what I do as a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> do you want the whole story of how I got started into being a nurse health coach or just in nurse That health sounds coach? good too. Yeah, either way. Either or works. Because we're you a nurse, nurse. You don't have to. No. <laughs> or whatever you're comfortable with. Um, I mean, just how you got, because you were a nurse prior, is that kind of what led you to um, becoming a nurse health coach? or? So I think a lot of like my personal journey along with um, the education brought me to the nurse health coaching. Like I'm still a nurse, I still have my bachelor's in nursing. Um, a lot of people are like, what hospital do you work at or what clinic do you work at? Right. It's like, well, you know, I do a different kind of nursing, which is interesting and I, I really enjoy it and it's part of what I've lived so I feel like I find value in sharing that with other people. Um, but so I work with a company based out of Chicago uh, doing nurse health coaching and then I also do my own nurse health coaching on the side. So I do kind of two different um, jobs with that. So it's been fun in some of the travels that I've done across the United States, um, picking up clients that I've met along the way. So. Nice. I know you had referenced on here like trying to define what nurse health coaching is and like how it ties into the healthcare model. Um, and I know we talk a lot about how the system is on its way to probably breaking, that it's just not going to be able to sustain like people being sick and trying to fix sick and not keep them healthy to begin with. So i got to imagine that what your role is is trying to potentially come in on that front end and not be reactive on things but being more proactive but I could be completely wrong no you're, you're totally you're totally <laughs> I, I, got, I had to assume that was kind of where it was going which I think is awesome oh for sure well I remember back in college which was like 10 years ago I rem and so life was a little bit different with our healthcare system back then but um, I remember in my public health nursing rotation that there's a statistic of like 90% of our healthcare dollars goes to chronic disease management mm -hmm. And 10% of our healthcare dollars goes to prevention. And I remember just thinking at that time, like, that just doesn't make sense. Like, why, if we could prevent something and save the cost of the chronic stuff down the road, why would we want to focus on that? Well, in kind of, like, learning more about it, it, it makes sense to some extent. And it is a situation of, if anybody can figure out the right answer, good, good luck. But I think it's a complicated uh situation to be in. I think, um, you know, with a lot of the rising in healthcare costs, people need to take their own health into their own hands. Um, so in living part of that story of having chronic conditions at a young age, decided to make some changes. Um, and um, the thing with health coaching, I think that's interesting, uh, is 
a lot of people will come to me and they'll be like, I know what I need to do. My doctor told me that I need to lower my cholesterol, I need to lose weight, I need to be more active, but I don't know how to do it. Like, how do I do this? I've tried and I, I can't do it, you know? So it's interesting for me because I get to bring people from that point of, you know, this is something you want to do, but how do you do it? And, and bringing them through that process of making those changes that they can sustain in a lifestyle. It's not just a diet, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lifestyle change um, that they can use in bettering their health um, and making changes in their health. And it's been fun, like some of the people that I've worked with over the years, to see the changes that they've made or the, the goals that they've accomplished. And it's really rewarding for me. I think that's why I continue to do my job um, and why I've stuck with it uh, for so long. So for sure. That's very cool. So what are the, some of the things that you typically see from your clients I guess yeah. patients or yeah what do you call them? I call them clients, clients yeah. yeah yeah so what are the like common common things or is it just like totally random oh it's a, it's a bunch of uh, everything I've had stuff with back pain um, I've had people with high A1C so diabetes a lot of diabetes a lot of um, high cholesterols a lot of obesity like people that are not active um, I've had uh, people that want to set goals for like being more active as far as like starting to run their first 5k I saw somebody you know I've, I've seen many people through their first 5k or the first half marathon or just finishing you know goals and that's kind of where I always go back to is what is your goal because I can tell you like your doctor what you need to do but like what what do you want to do and usually when you bring it back to them that's where it starts to bring ownership of this is what I'm going to do um, so what are some of your like go-to principles with nutrition? Because there's plenty out there. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion on it. But what are like what are you if you could pick some general guidelines um, that you typically come back to? Uh, pay the farmer and not the pharmacist is one of my favorites. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So focusing on healthy foods and making sure that they're quality foods versus down the road needing to pay that money for the pharmacist. A lot of people will be like, well, it's, it's expensive to eat healthy. Like, I can't do it. And, and then you get people that are spending four or $500 a month on medications. Right. And it's kind of like trying to put this into perspective. Like, if we could prevent that, like, how much would you save in the, down the road? But people don't really see that. I can see that from my my point of or from my spot. But people that are living it, it's it's different because they're so busy in their days and their you know their daily life of go and go go. You don't go. see it instantly. Yeah, and you got to give it time, and it's hard to. Yeah, and then they wake up and and then they're trying to be like, oh, like, well, I need to make some changes. But like, what do I do? How do I? How do I do it? Yeah, so that's one I, I really uh, steer away anything with high fructose corn syrup is kind of one thing that I go to I was over in England and France last year and it was crazy because like high fructose corn syrup is one of the things that I cut out when I was making a lot of my changes just being more conscious of consuming that um, no but high fructose corn syrup is one thing that like I really try to steer people against I thought it was interesting over in England and in France that I was looking at a lot of the nutrition labels and I couldn't find high fructose corn syrup in anything. And you look over here at a lot of our foods, it is in our chocolate milk, it's in our bread, our cereals, it's it's our ketchup, like it's in everything and it's an artificial sweetener to make um, 
things more yep. sweet, but it isn't easy for our body to digest to use it. So it really throws our blood sugars up a lot higher versus natural sugar. So I usually tell people to kind of start looking and noticing the sugars mm -hmm. in foods. Um, but the reason why they don't have it over in Europe is because they don't allow it over there, which is interesting. So there's so much stuff like that. Like we in Europe, yeah. most of the developed Asian countries have like standards on so many things that the U.S. just doesn't. And not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but like <laughs> I'm gonna use the bulletproof guy. We'll talk about that with like coffee. Like the stuff that gets rejected everywhere else just comes back to the states because. We don't have we don't have the standards for those types of things, which is yeah, crazy. But so when you look at that ninety percent, looking at the, the tail end reactive to ten percent proactive in, in your side of things, how how are you helping to bridge that gap in healthcare? And I know you said that it's complicated, but what how how would you suggest we kind of flip that? Do you have any ideas on what could be done? Uh, yeah, well, really taking um, value of your own health and knowing that like you need to put in the effort that you can't just take a pill that's going to make it better. I have a lot of people that are like, well, I'm taking my medication, so like my blood sugars are going to be good now because I'm taking my medication, but it's, or they're on three different blood pressure medications. It's, it's fine because I'm, I'm taking my blood pressure medication, which is good, but what other things can you do outside of... Um, you know the medication like let's first look at the lifestyle changes of things that you can do so that you're not having to take those medications um, or that maybe you don't even have to take those medications and I've seen people come off of their medications after making changes right which is that's got to be the most rewarding thing ever yeah. to see some of those yeah um, so really starting to look at you know their lifestyle and um, their nutrition their exercise um, being more proactive in going back to kind of uh, a simpler way of living. I feel like nowadays we are so busy with everything and we try to, I can go off on a tangent kind of with that, but um, in that we, we don't really stop and take first or take a look at some of the things that are important until it's too late. Um, so remind me to tell you the story of um, being more tired. <laughs> the story of being on the road for 50 days uh, and living out of a bag on a motorcycle. Because it really gave me perspective of the things that matter and, and don't. Um, but so kind of like I think that it is important to focus more on the preventative side uh, and helping people to realize that uh, through making some changes in their, their own health so that they're not having to have those chronic conditions down the road. Like our generation is going to be like the first generation that's going to not outlive our parents, which I think is yep. interesting. If you look at the high the high rates of child obesity, you're just in childhood obesity or high rates of heart disease and cancers. There's just so many things that if you kind of be proactive, you can prevent down the road. Um, and we're coming at this age where the baby boomers are going to be aging and, and then and dying off. And who's going to really support our system? I think that we have to be proactive that you know, to think that we're not going to be affected by it is naive. Um, yeah, we like to pass the buck down the road, I think, a lot. And like you said, it gets masked with all the medications. And yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm taking my medicine. 
well, yeah, but what if you didn't need to take your medicine? Right. What if, like, going for a walk once a day for 30 minutes and then eating some fruits and vegetables helped you um, to not have to take that medicine? Really? And they feel so much better then, too. And, uh, yeah, totally. And, and we like, did the whole 30, well, modified, I did a modified version because I didn't jump all in, but, you know, to, like... <laughs> going back to your high fructose corn syrup thing just looking at nutrition labels like it is hard to find nutrition labels on things that are like you would think natural without some sort of additive to it like bacon is impossible to find without anything added to it like you gotta find it's just incredible like bacon of all things you know and doing that but then going back to your point on slowing down even like now we're cooking like a sheet of brussels sprouts and onions and potatoes and stuff like in the oven but it's 40 minutes to cook it's not throw it in the microwave for four and then it's done and which it's fine it tastes great when it's done but it's just it forced everything to slow down at home because you got to cut it all and then you got to wait and you got to figure out when to put in all your other stuff and it's i i think it's been plus it's it's interesting. Um, a lot of times when I'm sharing some of my story, I'll often kind of highlight, even if I were to go back to that weight of being morbidly obese, I wouldn't change the way that I live now in the, the nutrition and the exercise. And this is kind of what you're touching on a little bit, is you feel so much better. And this is something that I'll often ask my clients is, um, but yeah, after I broke my back is why I started yoga. Totally was life changing too, kind of with things. But um, I kind of go back to that which we were talking before. What I tell my clients a lot is um, so making some of the health changes and stuff. Uh, is often we'll set a goal, kind of of what do you want to see change in your life, and and I'll meet them kind of where they're at for their knowledge, and then give them information that will help them to achieve their goals and check in with them. But oftentimes I'll follow up with the question of, have you noticed any difference in, in how you feel? And a lot of times people will be like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm sleeping better, I have more energy, I have clearer thought process, you know, I'm not as angry and stuff anymore, or I'm more energetic. There's so many different things that we don't really put a, a value on um, until, you know, I know that I even thought that until... I was even thinking that too in my own life. Like I didn't think about it until somebody asked me about how much different you feel now. So if I were to go back to the way I was seven years ago in being overweight, I would do that, but I wouldn't want to change the way that I live in nutrition or exercise kind of things because I feel better. Mm-hmm. So the point kind of with that is those are the things that we don't really think of. A lot of times people feel like, oh, you know, it's the, it's the scale, the weight on the scale like oh you know I lost five pounds but do you feel like do you feel good do you not feel good like how are you sleeping at night like there's just there's so many other yeah other things that we don't really put um dollar price on and um yeah it's it's quality of life so there's a lot to be said in the quality of life that you can um achieve through living off a healthy lifestyle active lifestyle focusing on good nutrition getting good rest staying hydrated all these things are like the things that you're supposed to do, but like a lot of us are too busy to do it. Yeah, right. We're too busy to, you know, we have to work our insane jobs to pay for our 
high technology kind of phones or TVs or cars or big house and then it's like but then we really lose sight of like the things that matter of um, you know, having that time to go for a walk or getting the good night's sleep or spending time with your family which will decrease stress and also helps with health conditions so, does that make sense? It makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. Yep. It's all good good points that it just has to keep being reinforced. Yeah. It seems like a lot of that reminds me of the four hour work week. Oh. Um, familiar with that? Um, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, not burning yourself out working this job or this place that's super fancy. Everything you just said. Yeah. Well, and I, I remember that. Like, I lived that. I was working three jobs at the same time as I was going through college for nursing school. Like, no. who had time for 10 minutes to go for a walk? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't have time for that. You know, it was just putting things into perspective on um, um, what's important. And it's not, you know, if it, it doesn't affect you now, it will affect you down the road. So kind of being more preventative. Healthcare costs are just insane. They're only going to continue to go up. Right. Uh, so being as preventative as you can in the forefront so that you're not actually being reactive down the road. There's so many people that I've even worked with that have you know, ended up in the hospital with heart attacks or strokes. And, um, they, it's that that really makes them make their change. It isn't until that crisis situation that they start to make those changes because they have to. Um, well, what if you could prevent that and like not having to go through all that? Or what if you could put that off, um, delay it. There's so much to be said for quality of life. Like if you're on oxygen and having to check your blood sugars all the time um, and having to give yourself insulin shots, um, there's taking medications, cut that out. <laughs> there's a lot to be said for the quality of life. So, you know, I was in that accident back uh, in 2010 and a lot of people are like, well, why did you do all this traveling and stuff since? It's like, well, I know that, you know, the back pain is probably going to come down the road. Why not go experience, like, a little bit more now when I get older? Like, I'll probably be in a lot more pain versus you know, and waiting to um, go and travel then. Like, you might not ever get that opportunity. So, so doing some of that um, now, I think it's fun fun to be able to balance, you know, career and then also traveling. So with that being said, what's the story about the 56-day <laughs> okay. living out of a suitcase? So I did take my motorcycle around the country. Um, I traveled and we did 10,000 miles. I bought this new motorcycle. And I've been riding for a few years. After I've been riding five years before that, so I knew how to ride, but I got a new bike and I was super excited. I uh, took it out for a tour around the United States for 10,000 miles and lived out of this bag for 50 days, like on the back of my motorcycle. And um, I remember you know, coming back and doing laundry the first time at home. I did laundry in between that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> Well, there's so many things that I did on that, that tour, um, but I came back and I did laundry and I was washing my clothes and, and was going to go hang them up um, in my closet. And I remember looking at these things that I had lived with, you know, very minimal things that you need uh, and going to go hang those things up in the closet and being like, oh, 
way too much stuff. Like, I don't need half of this stuff. I got rid of this, I got rid of that, the shirts. Like, I got rid of, like, half of my closet of stuff. And it's like, it gave me perspective of, like, I really don't need all that uh, that stuff. I don't use half of it anyways. Right, like, sure. And being on the motorcycle, you have to really be selective of the things that you do use. Um, you know, like, a couple pairs of jeans, running shoes, work stuff, <laughs> rain gear, my tent. <laughs> yeah. A lot of things that, like, you need. You can't without but like you can't really bring along your journal or you can't really bring along those high heel kind of shoes what are you going to use them for they're not practical get rid of them. right yeah you know the hair straightener or hair blow dryer like <laughs> you don't have room for that like, <laughs> just using the stuff or bringing the stuff that you really need and so it really gave me perspective because a lot of times I didn't have all the things that I would like to maybe have but I found in the times that I've like oh like I you know it'd be nice to have that I really didn't need it or I found another way kind of around around some of that. So that gave me perspective of um, living out of the bag and just really being kind of more minimalist and like you really don't need a lot of it. and I was happier with having lots of It's kind of nice to have the, not have to have the option of even deciding or choosing. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's not even. I've heard that from a bunch of people. Like you just end up purging so many things and you just do better. Like life's better. <laughs> so I'm trying to do that like every month now. Just, oh, I haven't seen this in a while, nor am I ever going to use it. Harrison <laughs> talked about uh, the guy we did a, a podcast with. 30 days. 30 days. So the first day he got rid of one thing, second day two, and by the end of it he was he had to get rid of 30 things. Oh, wow. day. So he, he got rid of a lot of stuff over the course of that month and he was saying oh, how much happier he was and lighter. You know, yeah. Well, and it was weird because before I even left on that tour, like I had lived in a house for eight years and then moved to like a condo for a few months and then moved to an apartment. So in that process, I already got rid of like half of right. my stuff okay. yeah. <laughs> to go into this apartment. Um, and I just, after that, like coming back and just being like, things that I really needed, I don't ever, I don't even know the last time I wore that or used that, like got rid of so many other things. And it's, it is, there's something that's really freeing and not having... To, to have all those things, mm -hmm. it's it just living um, more minimal. So people are always kind of like, um, with I haven't owned a TV in like three and a half years. Oh. <laughs> people are like, "What are you Amish? Like, why do you? Like, What's wrong with you? <laughs> why don't you have a TV?" It's like I don't know. Like one, well, like, I don't really have time to sit down and watch TV. Like I did have a TV, and I never sat down and watched it. Like I was doing other things. Um, you know, some of the training for the marathons and the health coaching I was doing and with busy with work, uh, volunteering. There's like, touching base with friends and family. Like, there's a lot of things you can do, but now I don't even, like, miss the team. Like, I don't even think that I can remember that they exist yeah. sometimes. Unless people are like, did you see that on TV? <laughs> I have a purge TV, but got rid of cable and just the savings that you don't have with paying the cable bill every month. I still have some of the streaming things, but even then, I just find myself not sitting down to like flip on whatever it may be, or if I'm going to watch something, it's something I actually really want to watch, not just mindlessly. I feel like a lot of what is on watching total garbage. Law and Order reruns or something just because he had some time to kill and then all of a sudden six hours later you're like, oh, I should probably do something. But, yeah, I hear you on that one. So, um, what is your clientele? I see that's a question on here. So, where do they, I know you kind of mentioned you meet people various ways or whatever, but how do you know? 
I don't know, like, it's weird, but, like, a lot of my stuff has been more word of mouth through people. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people have interviewed me for certain things or my story's been shared. I share my own story or I travel and then people ask me questions about some of it when I'm sharing some of my story. Um, and so it's just kind of through that that I've had people interested in it. And it's more of, like, it's a passion of mine to be helping other people. And so kind of just sharing that, you know, helping other people. So I do do my own nurse health coaching, and I've partnered with a registered dietitian uh, recently in the area, which is fun and exciting as nice. health coaches. So yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes here in the local area. If you're not doing anything tonight, we'll be at the Boot Hill Pub giving a little bit of a presentation on women's health from awesome. 7 to 8. So, huh. I mean, you're welcome to come check it out. It's just health coaches and people sharing health in the community mm -hmm. with people. So. Awesome. Yeah. So the clientele, the answer kind of that is is really anybody. Um, I have people that really have a lot of chronic conditions. I have people that are just looking to achieve, you know, run their first marathon or run a 5K. Um, I have people that want to lower their blood sugars or go up the stairs without being wounded. Like there's different things. It's, it's really anybody. So it's not somebody that's a specific um, a demographic or anything. Right. So do you have to meet with them in person or do you do some stuff via long distance type things as well? And well, that, and that's it. A lot of people are like, how can you travel around the country on a motorcycle? Do you not have a job? <laughs> do you know how hard it is to ride around the country? Figure out what the weather is going to do. Still keep up with your work and figure out where you're going and get all your stuff packed on your bag or your bike. Um, but I, the, the beauty of some of the health coaching, which um, excited things had changed because initially I was on site, like face to face with clients, mm -hmm. and now I work remote, so I work over the phone with a lot of people. So most of my stuff is done over the phone with clients around the United States. Um, so that's uh, interesting because I can do that from here, I can do that from California, Paris, South Carolina. Like, I've been able to travel because of that, so sure. I work from my computer. Um, and it's interesting with being more over the phone, but it's hard too sometimes because you don't get that face-to-face like, -face interaction. I can't right. show them the right. or yeah. objects, but it's it you adjust to it, and then it's nice because there's a lot with technology now that you can do. Some people do Skype and sure. stuff like that. Right. So it's it's interesting to see, and it, it's more um, easy for people to do. Um, like I'm able to be more effective in my job on the phone. Uh, I'll have a lot of people that are driving, get stuck in traffic, you know, with for work on their way to work or on their way home from work for an hour. They have a drive. Well, they wouldn't necessarily be able to meet with me face to face if they were, you know, they had to come. They wouldn't have time to meet with me one on one face to face for a half hour. But in that car when they're waiting and stuff, they're driving. Then I can take the, or they can take the phone call. And then for sure, most productive drive ever for them. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's my biggest thing. I couldn't live in a big city. I couldn't deal with traffic. I'd get so mad. I would, I'm just not patient enough for I it. You would after driving with you. I could see getting pretty mad. I'm like just getting to where I need to be and moving on with my life. I, hear you. I can relate. I, I get frustrated when I have to like stop at the red light because there's like two lights between where I live and where I work, and you know, I can get that red light. It's just. Like, <laughs> It's all perspective, right? Yeah. Well, the company that I work with is based out of Chicago, so Interactive Health is based out of Chicago. So I remember having to go out there and do a lot of the training for what they want for their companies. Um, 
and I remember being like, oh my gosh, like, you know, people would come in and be like, oh, I'm stuck in traffic for an hour, or, you know, I have to go home, and like, all I gotta do was you know, make dinner, go to bed, and it's like, I work from my computer, which is kind of nice that I can go for a run down by the river, and come back, make breakfast, and eat breakfast, and still have like a half hour to spare, while they're sitting in traffic and waiting, mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, even knowing the, um, you know, knowing the situation, like how can you change, what can you do to make a change so that something changes? If you want to make a change in you know, having more time for those things, like what can you do to make that change? So I remember when I made that move over to lacrosse, um, that it was, it was nice that I had more of that time to do that versus being, you know, in Chicago and being stuck in traffic and right. mad and, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's perspective. But there's yeah. a lot of things out in Chicago too that are kind of cool and fun. Yeah. Plus, for an hour, think how many podcasts you could listen to. <laughs> well done. <laughs> if you're not talking to Leah yeah. on the phone, you should right. be listening to a podcast. <laughs> we happen to know a couple guys that have one. Uh, so, with all that. your travels, I gotta ask, where is the, your favorite place that you've been? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little nervous that you weren't actually here, so I saw a couple posts and you have like from Paris and it says in Paris, France. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> We're supposed to meet tomorrow. I don't know if she's in Paris or not. But I was like, I was like, no, she seemed like she was ready to go. So, <laughs> make sure it wasn't like Paris, Wisconsin, if there's such a place. I don't know, but is there? I know. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> yes, favorite place. Uh, favorite place, gosh, it's hard, and there's different places that are unique in their own um, selves or their own uniqueness. Um, I really enjoyed being in Colorado, when I was down in Colorado, and riding through the Rocky Mountains, that is a whole new level of riding. <laughs> um, I love the beaches in the Carolinas, like that's gorgeous. I've heard way. good things, never, haven't been, but I've heard good things. Yeah, I, I, I love the Carolinas. Um, and then, it, I usually will get a question too, like where's one place that you're really surprised by um, that you, you didn't really, you were surprised in going there? And I would say Idaho was a place that I was really surprised, like, Idaho. I remember telling my dad that, and he's like, what's in Idaho? What, potatoes? Stereotypes. No, it was actually really cool. There was a lot of, like, really pretty rivers. Um, we went white right our kayaking, and that was a lot of fun on some, like, class two, three, rapid things. Oh, there you go. Flip awesome. the inflatable kayak. <laughs> wow. Um, but it was really pretty. Um, the area was just beautiful. M Montana was gorgeous going up to Glacier. Like, I didn't know places like that existed until going there. Um, Utah was very beautiful with having, like, Zion, Bryce's Canyon, uh, the Arches National Park. It's just, like, all those places are unique in and of themselves. But it's really hard to put one favorite. Um, but just being, I like being out in nature. So I think mm -hmm. that somewhere like that is cool. Nice. What else do you want to cover? I feel like we've hit a bunch. You're looking at all of them, so. What got you into motorcycles? Have you always been into motorcycles? <laughs> uh, no, I first started riding a motorcycle seven years ago oh, wow. uh, when I was making some of those changes of like bucket list goals. So learn to ride a motorcycle was second oh, on nice. that. <laughs> um, 
And I was inspired to ride a motorcycle first from a woman that's like a faith mentor to me. And she had turned 50, and so she was going to learn to ride a motorcycle for her 50th birthday. And I was like, what? Yanda, women don't ride motorcycles. What are you thinking? You could get hurt. That's crazy. And then she took this ride safe class. And I remember her coming back after these ride safe classes and just being like, that was awesome. That was so cool. That was so much fun. Like, I learned so much. And being like, hmm. I wonder if I could learn to ride a motorcycle. I don't know, but it'd be cool to try. So it's just that thought of maybe, and and then the next step of doing something. So I signed up to take that ride safe class later on that year and learn to ride a motorcycle. Holy buckets, it was crazy. So um, I passed, which was interesting. Uh, and I've had a few different bikes since um, since that time. Um, so it, it is just something like in riding a motorcycle, I have a lot of people that I'll ask kind of, why would you want to ride a motorcycle? It's like, well, there's a lot of like really cool things, you know, in riding a motorcycle. You can... So to answer the question on how did I get started, that's kind of what motivated me to try because I literally had never gotten on a bike before that um, learning to ride a motorcycle is not something I would see myself you know back 10 years ago even thinking of wanting to do but I really enjoyed it like I, I like being out on the road open road the wind in your face it's just you know you don't have all the distractions of cars and everything or the radio or it's just you and the motorcycle the road um, so I first started um, in 2010 and then was in the accident later on that year, broke me back and injured my lung, took time to rehab 2011. Um, then later on that year, in 2011, I started running again. 2012, if you remember that first 5K that I did? Mm -hmm. In 2012, I did that 5K again and then I ended up playing placing first in my age group in that race for my age group which is kind of like Dang. that meant a lot to me because a few years back like I was just praying to finish the thing yeah and then knowing that I had broken my back and um, how hard that was like that really meant a lot hmm. to me crazy yeah so the first time I finished the first half marathon I got back on the motorcycle and started riding again because the accident in 2010 kind of scared me and maybe I shouldn't ride again and I was almost ready to give it up and then after I finished that first half marathon that same day I got back on the motorcycle and started riding again later on that year I went out to Sturgis, South Dakota on my 650 Suzuki Boulevard with no windshield or no saddlebags <laughs> 700 miles up the Sturgis wow. <laughs> looking back at it like I was like what was I thinking <laughs> I got out there and people I've, I've done that trip on that bike like three different times but I got out there the first time and people were like you rode that out here <laughs> like by yourself like yeah like don't uh, doesn't everybody do that like bunches trapped or stuff down to their motorcycle not awesome. have a windshield <laughs> and now that I have the Indian Scout <clears throat> It's interesting because I ha actually have saddlebags and I have a windshield, and now I know why people were laughing at me. It's like that makes a lot of right. sense. Like it does make a huge difference. Um, you can imagine? I can't. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Just people's reactions. And on the road out to uh, through I ninety in South Dakota, 
there's a lot of high winds and there's not much for trees. So on a light bike, you're already being thrown around because of that. But then having those winds and passing semis and stuff on the way is like, oh, yeah. Just, just an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> well, maybe now I would not. I would ride the Indian sure. Star, so what's the... Um, so you did your first marathon when you were 26 years old, 26 miles, and you actually did it on May 26th? Yeah, that, which is That worked crazy. out like that? It that was, was unbelievable. Yeah, totally. It was weird because it was up in Rochester, uh, the Med City Marathon. Yeah. A friend had recommended... Have you guys... I'm from Rochester. Oh. I've never been in it, but yeah. known of people who have. Yeah, yeah. So I was just looking for ones to do, and I was planning to do the uh, the fitness festival one, but they stopped that year. They stopped doing the marathon for it. They oh. used to have a marathon for the fitness festival, um, and I was like, "No, you can't do that because this is the year that I was going to run a marathon." And then it actually ended up working out perfect because then it ended up being on May 26. Yeah. I was like, well, that's kind of cool. That is. Um, so 26 years old, set out to do that 26 miles on May 26, um, and finished. And it ran the whole thing, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like I didn't think that I would ever. That's a long say ways. Totally, yeah. yeah. And then six days later, after that, ran my second marathon out in Boston on the Boston Marathon course with a group from D.C. to Boston to raise money for the Boston bombing. Crazy. So that was for, um, that was the same year that the Boston bombing had happened. So two marathons in one week was kind of a... I was going to say, was that pretty hard on the body? <laughs> well, in perspective, like, it was a challenge for me. I don't think I would recommend anybody to just do that your first time. Like, But the group of people that were running... Had ran from D.C., Washington, D.C., out to Boston. Um, they had, Frank had raised money for some of the Boston bombing, and he said that he wasn't just going to deliver it to them, he was going to hand-deliver it through running up to D.C. So he remembered me from when I was out in Washington, D.C., and asked if I'd come join them and help crew the run. So I went out to Boston um, and met up with them and then ran that, that marathon. Which is kind of cool to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and the money went to you know Jeff Bowman, who wrote or he was the one that uh, identified the Boston Marathon. Oh. And then the Martin Richards little boy that had passed away. So the like that's a whole other story in and of itself of how I came across Frank to to ending up and running the Boston Marathon there. So the people that I helped kind of through that in. Uh, that's, that's a long story. Hmm. That's a good story. What's the, the Alabama one with the Hungarian chemist? <laughs> that just picked my interest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was the one right before I met you, Joel. Right. <laughs> so oh, I, well, this is the one where you were dominating the course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And I didn't think, I've never hit the wall. I hit the wall on that, that course, but. Um, yeah, I had ran a marathon down in Alabama and had eaten too late before the run, which was the important thing I learned. If you don't have time, or, like, don't eat anything, like, before the marathon, if, give yourself time. I had eaten and literally went to go run. My car had been towed, so I was trying to figure that out. Like, I needed my car to get back to Louisiana to fly back to work and they had towed the car, so I was trying to like make sure that I would have a car to get back for work, and um, ended up still making the, the run. Um, but I 
was like, well, I need to grab something quick to eat, so I ate, I don't know, some Cheerios and stuff, and it didn't settle very well, like, mile 13, like, I was doing good, like, at the start, but, like, mile 13, and I was like, oh, my stomach's starting to hurt, like, mile 16, like, oh, it's really starting to hurt, like, there was hills from, like, mile 10 to mile 18, where, like, Alabama had just stupid hills, like, they were not, I should have really looked at the course a little bit more, but they had a lot of hills in that one. Um, so I was coming up the last hill on mile 18, <laughs> and then finally, like, like just getting it, and I've never stopped on a marathon to walk. I was like, oh. I ended up stopping at huge. I was like, that's so much better. I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> and it was right at the top of that hill that there's a guy that lived down in Alabama that just lived up on top of the hill that was cheering on the runners and he used to be a big ultra marathon runner back in the day and so he's like come on honey you can do it keep going and so he's cheering me on I'm like what I'm like this is weird because usually I'm that person like yeah you can do it I was like, yeah you got it um but he starts running with me and he's seven years 70 years old <laughs> he starts running with me not only like a mile two miles he finished the marathon with me it's kind of like Forrest Gump have you ever seen the movie yeah, yeah. Just running with you, yeah. yeah. So this, oh. <laughs> this guy that's seventy years old, I'm like, you know, like I can't even like really talk right now, but he's talking to me in this Hungarian accent and some chemist that injects young <laughs> lab rat blood into older lab rats, and they're younger. Like I'm trying to like, is this really happening? Am I delirious right now? I oh yeah, and then, wow. well, that was a whole experience in and of itself, but. After that, it was uh, I finished the marathon, finding out that my car, like I'd have to find a way to get back to uh, my car that had been towed, having to pay two hundred dollars, um, two hundred fifty dollars for the car to be towed. I only carry fifty dollars of cash with me, or totally ruined that. <laughs> so after that marathon, it was kind of off the subject whatever like it it wasn't interesting that was one of like a hard time like I could barely even talk like I was like it definitely I had hit the wall and I've never hit the wall before um but I went back to the, the hotel to try to see if they had gotten the car back because it was towed and it shouldn't have been towed um but coming back they said yeah don't worry about it we'll get it back and and they didn't and there was a new guy there at the front desk I was like oh sorry it's kind of your problem Here's the oh, number level. for the um, the towing company. Call the towing company, and they're like, "Yeah, we have the the rental car. Like, it, we're located a half hour outside of Mobile, Alabama, and we're only open today from the hours of two to four. And like, it was like one o'clock or whatever at that time. I'm like, so I need to find a ride half hour away outside of Mobile, Alabama to come get this car." And pay you two hundred fifty dollars cash. Right. I don't know anybody down here except for Hungarian chemists. Right. <laughs> right. Like this is definitely going to be hard. Um, so that was an interesting experience because I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, and that's a lot of money to for the car to be towed. But I ended up having fifty dollars of cash in my purse, which I don't usually ever carry cash like that. Um, took out $200 from the ATM, which that is the only thing that, when uh, my bank only allows me to take $200 out in case that ever gets stolen, so I was like, holy, talk about <coughs> cutting it. Stars yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then getting a ride there right before it closed, I'm like, I'm never so glad to leave Mobile Earth. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then uh, a couple of weeks later, I got a package in the mail. It said Mobile, Alabama on it. I was like, 
Mobile, Alabama. Oh, like, what is in Mobile? Like, ah, I don't ever want to hear the words Mobile, yeah. Alabama again. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, was it the hotel that was really rude? Was it the towing company? Like, what? what why am I getting a package? And I opened it, and it was my award for getting second in my age division on that marathon. No kidding. <laughs> totally. I didn't even. I didn't even know. And I usually always stop and wait to cheer people on after the run. Like, it's kind of my thing to cheer people on. Um, and I didn't because I was worried about my car and I felt like really sick, um, or I didn't feel very well. And so I didn't even stay for the awards and I was like, no way. And so Hungarian chemist gave me his name and number and him and his wife were really, really nice, but I was like, no way, I, I placed in that one. And so that's just a memorable, um, marathon of any. Uh, I guess I don't so. understand that. So what, uh, are your... Checkoffs on your bucket list that you're most proud of, and what's on your bucket list that you're like going after? Maybe like what are your top priorities, or maybe what are some of the most difficult that are going to be able to achieve? Ooh, good question. So ones that I've achieved in the past, um, running a marathon. I actually checked that off on May first of 2010, thinking that a, a um, you know a 5K was a marathon. Yeah. Didn't really know. <laughs> You know, learning to ride a church. Yeah, well, and then actually went back and actually had the marathon where I could check it off running running the Boston Marathon, um, running a full marathon. And I did it on May 26th, which is crazy. Um, going skydiving, that was one that was interesting, going skydiving. Um, learning about Gandhi, uh, moving to a new place, uh, being my ideal weight. I remember thinking back at that point, uh, you know, when I was 225 pounds and being like, that that BMI, have you ever seen the BMI where it's like, this is, <laughs> this is what you should be? Yeah, a lot of guys are like, well, it tells me that I'm fat. Like, this yeah. Is <laughs> Many an argument yeah. with a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> let's do a body percent fat yeah. thing. I'm like, let's look at the bigger picture. You have a lot of muscle. Are you eating your fruits and vegetables? Are you being active? Right, like, right. the big picture is what really matters. But I remember being at that point where I was in that morbid obesity category and thinking, like, stupid skinny people, what do they know about like, life? Like, 125 pounds? Like, is that ever, that's not ever going to be possible. Like, that's just, like, ridiculous. You know, and that was literally, like, I never thought that I would be where I am now. I remember thinking, like, just to even be able to run up the stairs and not be winded would be, like, huge. I didn't think that I'd ever really be able to see my again. I, there's just so many things that, like, thinking back to that time, just, it's a whole other life ago. Um, so that one really meant a lot. Um, doing a pull-up after breaking my back. <laughs> I couldn't really pull up my pants. Right. That was not interesting yeah. Um, yeah. Doing some traveling, going out to DC, seeing the Holocaust Museum, riding my motorcycle to Sturgis. I did that by myself, and and I was just like, I wonder if I could ride all the way out to Sturgis. And then I was like, well, I just went, you know, like halfway, got to like some falls, and I was like, okay, I made it, and I'm still okay. I wonder if I can go the rest of the way. So when I did the 10,000 mile tour, first I wasn't planning to do 10,000 miles. I had just planned to go down to Colorado because I was in a wedding down in Vail, and I was like, okay, so I could drive down or I could ride a motorcycle down. Which one? I wonder if I could ride a motorcycle all the way to Colorado. That seems like a really far. Like, I don't know if I could do that. 
but I mailed the dress down and then got that new motorcycle and I was like, okay, well, I, maybe I kind of just got to go slow and, you know, I made it down there and then once I got down there, I'm like, well, I'm already this far, like, it'd be cool to do the million dollar highway and then, well, I'm this far, like, go see the Grand Canyon and I'm working from my computer, so as long as I'm able to still get my work done, it didn't really matter if I was on the road or here in La Crosse uh, doing my work, so the Grand Canyon and my goal was to get to all 50 states so I'm like well California Nevada like right there <laughs> went over to California Nevada um, up to Oregon Washington Idaho so I hit all the western states um, on the motorcycle it's all over the west coast nice. uh, so the one that I'm currently working on is to get to all 50 states my goal is to watch the sunrise or set in each of the states um, so uh, Alaska is my last state to get wow. to, so I'm looking on taking a road trip pretty soon, which I was hoping would be um, tomorrow, but it's going to be a little bit, a little bit down. I have a few things, to, I want to get the website up and everything, but For sure. um, and I just have a lot of stuff with work uh, for now, but Alaska is my last state, so I thought it would be kind of fun. Uh, to run a 5k so I'll be 31 on June 18th and I thought it'd be kind of fun to do a 3.1 mile run in my last oh, yeah. day which would be Alaska on my birthday so it's an idea I don't know if it's gonna happen but it'd be kind of cool to go see Alaska sure, the last day. but yeah so my my goal is just to get to all 50 of the states and watch the sunrise or set but because um, it doesn't really count if you like drive through the state like the New England states are kind of like you can get 10 of them in a day yeah <laughs> so watching, you actually spend some quality time yeah and a sunrise or sunset is actually like, super amazing to watch like I'd rather watch that than watching TV you know oh, like, right. it's interesting um but the you know why that one was like an important one to me is I, I grew up in small town. Um, I've never really been outside of Minnesota, Wisconsin, or Iowa, so three states when I was like sophomore in college, was kind of like, I remember going out to Chicago for my first time for a school trip and, and being like, whoa, there's like a whole other world of culture out there, like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, and it just like that kind of motivated me to be like, well, what else is out there? Like, what other things? And after I graduated, I did a lot of volunteer work with the Red Cross, did national deployments, to New England states and then down to Louisiana and then met people from all over the country with that and so just traveling was kind of a big goal for me just because that's something that was something I didn't really do much growing up but like it's always interesting for me to see other cultures other people's way of um, living just meeting new people I'm the person that you do not want to be next to you on a plane <laughs> if you're trying to sleep <laughs> Fair enough. That's how you meet all your people, though, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Well, and then when I was out on the motorcycle and touring, there's a lot of people that would come up at the gas stations and, are you riding by yourself? Yeah. <laughs> me and, no, me and Scout are riding. Who's Scout? It's my motorcycle. <laughs> so I actually named my motorcycle people. Yeah, it's kind of... It's not hilarious. But, yeah. So it was kind of crazy just to be out on... On that, but coming back, there was something that was really like 
huge. Like, I left thinking, like, I wonder if I could ride all the way down to Colorado and then coming back. And, like, I just came back after touring all the the western states. I had gone to Wilderness Wilderness Medicine Conference out in Montana. I hit the, fifth, or the 75th anniversary of Sturgis on the way back, which was weird timing-wise for, for the things. But I was just kind of like, I think I can do it. I wonder if I can actually do it. And I... I'd actually gone all the way down to California and came through back through you know Utah, Colorado. I was almost into Nebraska, and I was gonna head home. And I remember like praying about it. I'm like, I don't know if I should like. What if I never get the chance to do this again? Like maybe I should just go do that wilderness medicine conference in Montana in a couple weeks. Like it doesn't make sense to go all the way back home and then try to go all the way back out. But if I stay out, like, I could go hit, you know, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, which was really, it was cool. But I ended up um, turning back after being, like, halfway back home and staying out on the, the road trip for the 50 days and 10,000 miles. And, yeah, it was interesting. It met some really amazing people. So that was cool. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so... Get into the questions. Probably, yeah. Computers on, starting to get on its last legs for <laughs> recording power. So, well, um, let's start right off with in your field. Uh, what is something that you do to make it complicated simple? Um, I usually get to the why with a lot of my clients of why are you doing this. Like, what is the reason of of wanting to make health goals? And usually when you bring that into perspective of why they're doing it, they take ownership of, of why wanting to reach those goals. So I think if you have a good why, you can always go back to that in, <clears throat> in using it with the clients of, you know, when you get those people that are, when people often like, they'll be motivated and starting to make changes in their health initially, and then they'll kind of fall off that pattern for a little bit. So having somebody to check in with them and then going back to that why, well, why are you doing this? I remember for me it was because I wanted to make changes for my health, the chronic conditions that I already had at a young age. So um, I think going back to the why is a thing to make it kind of simple. A good one. I've heard that with a lot. Yep. It's a good message. I like it. For sure. Or just something that you believe in that others may not, or for one of our former guests, a small group of people might believe just to not make it completely, and it doesn't have to be health-related. Um, which one was that? First. First one. What is... Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. So, what is... What is something you believe that others may not? That one. Yeah. Um, we kind of touched base on this already, but uh, less is more, quantity versus quality. I really think that if you focus on having less, there's more in that. So whether it be consuming less for food or whatever, having quality food is more important than having the quantity of food or in just like tangible objects, even having less that like I, I feel like that's that's actually given me more in my own life so um, that's a good one I don't know if you've had that one yet I like that but I do like it yeah yeah that was I was going to tell you the motorcycle story at that one but we already cleared oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go so do you have a 
I guess I should I'll go in order here. So the next one, uh, three take-home tips that you have? Or do you have an ask for the audience? Like ask if they do something or not do something? Um, well, so the take-home, I would say some of the things are focus on paying the farmer and not the pharmacist, kind of using that as a motto, like in, um, in not having to, or the reasons of why you're trying to do something. Okay, totally cut that one off. <laughs> I'm going to take a break for a second. Sure. <laughs> I get nervous, I start to ramble. Totally. You're good. Okay. The smell is not helping. No. <laughs> the pizza? The smell is good. Hot pockets. <laughs> so, some three take home tips that I kind of live by are um, life begins outside of your comfort zone. I remember having multiple times being like, oh, I'm scared to try, but like, you know, I wonder if I could ever do that, I'm not sure. Um, but really, that's where the living starts, is when you're uncomfortable in things, and I've used that a lot in my marathon training. I've used that in just health changes and working like hard in different things, um, traveling around the country. So I think those are kind of some of those things that like, if you go back to Life begins outside the comfort zone. Taking that a little bit of a risk, but not like an, um, an unsafe risk, is is good. Um, you're stronger than you think you are. I remember a lot of times being like, I don't know if I can do it, but I wonder if I can try. And just taking those first steps and looking to role models, like you were saying before, um, to achieve some of your goals. Um, and asking the audience. So a lot of people will be like, Why do you want to do this? Like, why would you want to go travel around? The country on a motorcycle, like, oh, why would you want to fly into a hurricane, why would you want to you know, run a marathon, and a lot of times, like, I was like, oh, I was really kind of discouraged, but, like, is there something I'm doing wrong, like, but I, a lot of, or now, like, I go back to, well, why not, like, what is, your, why not do something, I think that going to the why not is, Why not try something? It can be life changing. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I think you live with that motto. It sounds like you. I mean, it's not like you just say it. It sounds like you actually do it. Yeah. I've heard from a lot of people too. You got to do something that scares you each day, or like fear setting, like figure out like where your level is, and then oftentimes you'll find out it's you built it up so much more in your head than what actually is the result that will occur. That you just got to do it sometimes so yeah martin luther king says you know um take that first step in faith you may not see the whole story what the end goal is but just take that first step like in faith like you don't really know where you're gonna end up just take that first step sure. that was an interesting quote back in the day it's made the quote book <laughs> there you go i like that uh what's the most influential purchase you have for hundred dollars or less um, my first pair of running shoes, I would say, was one of the most influential purchases uh, for a heart rate monitor. Those come in really handy, especially in long distance training. So. And a quote book? There you go. Yeah! With a bucket list. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you can make your own. <laughs> book recommendations? 
Michael Pollan, the, the food rules. Have you ever heard of Michael Pollan? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did I read of his? Oh, yeah, the, like, the omnivore's dilemma. So that's his stuff, right? Yeah, he does, like, the, the food rules or the in the defense yeah. of food, and basically yeah. it kind of goes back to eating whole foods in the natural form. If your grandma wouldn't keep it in her pantry, then don't eat it. If you can't pronounce the name of words of the foods that you're right. eating, then don't eat it. You know, yeah. just very basic, simple things. So I've used that with some of the clients in health coaching on well, how do, how do you eat healthy? And, you know, I could give you a list of, well, eat this food, this food, and this food at this time at that day. And, like, who wants to do that? That's not really, like, it's a good general guide. But then you get stressed on being like, well, I didn't eat my egg whites and my spinach. And I didn't really like that to begin with. But, like, I right. So people, yeah, you can give them a diet plan. But teaching them kind of, like, the, the choices on whole foods, fresh fruits and vegetables, eating good protein, limiting fats, and stuff like that. I think that Michael Pollan does a good job in kind of bringing that back to our day and age in life reality. Simplifying it. Yeah. yeah. What information would you tell yourself if you could go back 10 years? I know you said seven years is kind of like that, the time you had the change. So if you could go three years past that, what would you say? What would I say to myself back then? Like... Um, you're stronger than you think you are. Like, hold on, life's gonna take you for a curve, but you're gonna make it through. <laughs> you got it. Good luck, and yeah, just stay strong in it. Because at that time, like, I never would have thought that he, you know, I was an, in nursing school, um, working three jobs and going to school full time. Didn't have time for ten minutes a day of walking. Uh, I never would have thought at that time that I'd be traveling the country on a motorcycle, running marathons, dancing with the stars, on, or dancing with the lacrosse stars on the stage, flying into hurricanes. It's kind of like, I never would, I mean, never would have, that would not have ever crossed my mind. So, um, yeah, I would say, you go girl, good luck, and you got it. There you go. I like it a lot. Anything in closing? Where can people find you? Besides Alaska, <laughs> sometime in the next month, yeah. Um, so I have a website, uh, com. so people can follow me on the journey there, and I'll have some of my uh, updates of where I'm at and how I'm doing. I have some posts or some... Uh, um, some fun things to come with that. So check out the okay. Riding with Leah. Uh, otherwise, if people are looking for health coaching, um, I do have a website, www.coachwithleah.com. So people can reach me there if they're looking to learn more about health coaching or to, to engage in some of the health coaching. Awesome. Or you can find me on Facebook along with the other five. Yeah, there you go. Better we get you soon, though, before you max out. Yeah, I've got a little into the country of India, so maybe we can get a couple of those, and they can invite you over too. Just to, since they're well round you out, since you said you had all over the all over the world. Yeah, it's just, out, it's just so. crazy to like. How did they come across my name? Like somebody from New Zealand was like, "Yeah, I read about your story in the Indian Motorcycle Magazine." Like it made it all the way down to New Zealand. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks for taking the time. That was yeah, good. Thank totally. you. Didn't make sense of any. Oh, uh, it'll be perfect. It'll Thanks be good. for listening. <laughs> 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 A lot of good stories. Good to hear. Yeah, I like it.
Thank you for checking out this episode of Clinically Pressed. Go to clinicallypressed.com for full show notes and links to everything that we covered in this episode. While you're there, you'll have full access to all our episodes, insights, and shorts. You can find Clinically Pressed on YouTube or any podcast outlet that you use. If you could give us a rating, thumbs up, or a review on how we're doing, we would greatly appreciate it and heard it helps out quite a bit. To get more free content delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the Total Athletic Therapy newsletter at totalathletictherapy.com or clinicallypressed.com. You'll get direct links to all the new Clinically Pressed episodes, reviews on some of the latest research in health and performance, and links to related podcasts and other items meant to help you make the complicated, simple, and optimized performance. Thank you for listening, and see you next episode. Ready to get started? Yeah, you're not. Yes, I am ready. All right. <laughs> you good? I'm good. All right. I'll let you introduct. So, is that a word? Introduct? Introduct? It is now. It is now, <laughs> yeah. There we go. Isn't that where introduce came from? Introduct? Yeah, but I just thought it was introduce. <laughs> I think you just made a new tense of the word. <laughs> We didn't need a blooper reel section. We didn't have any out on the farm, which I thought was surprising. Except when the cow was trying to lick your crotch. Yeah, that is true. I had a cow getting real personal. It was alright. We made it through. I'm glad you got that all on video. Anyway.